Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out wrightfarmhousechurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is it. I grabbed this from a headline in the news, and I don't pay attention much to the news because I think a lot of it is lies with truth sprinkled in. But this was a this was a a headline of a parent whose whose child had been tragically murdered recently, and this parent said, "They they are all cowards. I will never forgive them." Forgiveness is easy until you have to do it. Um, I don't have any idea that that I would respond in a different way if my child was murdered. But but I quote that parent because I want us to see that that what we're commanded to do in this little text is not a small thing. Forgiveness is about is about learning to put away hurt that is deep and significant is about learning it's about learning to love people when they have been truly evil to us and that is a high calling what we do what what do we do when when love is damaged um how can we rebuild wounded love how can we learn to forgive if if in ephesians 5 uh, verse 2 it says we are told to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And in this context, we are talking very clearly about learning to forgive and get over the hurts that we have experienced. Uh, when my relationship with you is damaged because of something you've done, what do I do? What is my, what is my response to that? How do we move to a point where we can love again emotionally, where we can say that I am willing once more to get over this and to have a relationship that is at peace with you? And it starts, it starts with, with remembering, I am forgiven. Instead of just thinking about what the wrongdoer has done here, Paul, Paul puts the focus on me. He wants me to think about my relationship with God, my relationship with God. Um, and, and back to our, our scripture here in, in verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that rolls off the tongue easily enough. We're all thankful that we've, that we've been forgiven by God. Christians stand in a right relationship with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus my sins are washed away. My sins have, have been forgiven. But there is an emotional impact that comes with forgiveness. Uh, 
Just like the parent with the, the murdered child. It is not something that is simple. It is not something that where you could say, you can just say, just forgive him and get over it. You know, forgiveness is a big deal. Uh, and that's also true with my relationship with God, which is equally as big a deal. If God in Christ forgave me, that means that means something real. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story to help us get to the emotional place where we are processing our own sin and and its impact on our relationship with God and then how that leads to to us forgiving others. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, starting here in verse 21, he says, Then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And some translations say seven times 70. In other words, countless times. Peter feels like he's he's really kind of stretched, but Peter feels like he's kind of stretched out his neck here, right? Up to seven times, right, Jesus? Could I really forgive that much? And Jesus says, no, far more than that. And Peter's probably sitting there wide-eyed, you know, 77 times or seven times 70. And Peter Peter probably thinks like you and, and I think about forgiveness. Maybe, maybe by the fifth time, you know, Aren't we thinking that maybe that's enough forgiveness? You know, Peter is asking, how do I understand how to reach a point where I can forgive somebody over and over again as much as is needed? And going on in verse uh, 23 here, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So Jesus sets up this story with two debtors. And the first one has this tremendous debt that he could never repay. Uh, and he comes and he begs. Um, this, this is all that he can do is beg. He says, I will pay you everything. And, and that's not true. He could never repay it. He could never pay it. But he begs and the master has pity on him and he forgives him the debt. Jesus is saying, that's you and that's me before God. We have a debt that we could never pay on our own. 
no amount of time or work could ever get rid of even of even one of the things that we owe God. All we can do is, is beg for mercy, and God grants it. And that's the amazing thing. God forgives us, and he wipes away the debt. But that's not the shocking thing about this story. What is shocking is what the servant does next, right? He takes one of, of his fellow servants, um, who owes this very small amount, and, and he violently says, pay me what you owe. His fellow servant says the same thing back to him that he did to the master. Have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. But he wouldn't. And don't we see how inappropriate that it is to take from God, but when somebody needs something from me, I won't give it? To have grace and blessing and and forgiveness from God, but to never extend it to anyone else. Um, Jesus is saying that, that that won't work. We must learn to forgive because we have been forgiven. Um, it, Jesus does this very clearly when he ties these things together in teaching us how to pray. Here in Matthew chapter 6, it was probably, in my opinion, intended to be a daily prayer because it has to do with daily provision. And, and if that's true, it is even more powerful in teaching us that daily we need to be thinking about our relationships with others and, and if there are outstanding issues in those relationships. Daily, we need to be thinking about if we need to forgive someone else. He says here in chapter 6, starting in verse 11, Give us this day, he's telling them how to pray, right? We remember the context. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He says, every day remind yourself of your own forgiveness and your need for that forgiveness. Think Think about whether you need to forgive others. He is saying we must learn to forgive if we hope to be forgiven. And Jesus doesn't make it optional here. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And when we begin to think about how others have hurt us and what others have done to us, aren't we focusing really on them? We, We tend to fixate on the hurt that we feel and what they did. Uh, and how wrong they are. Um, But what Paul and Jesus do here in these scriptures is they take us back to remember who we are and how we've been forgiven. We need to remember that we're not perfect either and that God has forgiven us of tremendous sins. And the Bible teaches us that that the heart can be the same even if the actions are not quite exactly the same. Jesus tells us that he tells us that whoever um, hates his brother is a murderer. And, and it's easy for us to look down on murderers, probably. But what about a heart of hate? I've been there. Uh, Jesus tells us that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And we look down, uh, we look down our noses at adulterers, 
But what about a lustful heart? And I've been there. That reminds us that, that we can understand and know why people do what they do. We have been there ourselves and have done similar things. And that can help us to move past what's already been done. That can help us because we remember we've been forgiven too. And we also need to remember that we can't bear the burden. We'll go back to our original passage here. We can't bear the burden. Our natural response when someone has hurt us is that we carry all this baggage around. We try to hurt them back in some way. And and then we learn to be, through that, through trying to hurt them, we learn to be miserable. We learn to be angry people. Paul is going to challenge us on that, to get rid of the burdens that come with our hurt. In verse 31, again, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. This is the complete sinful response when people hurt us. The Greeks define, they defined bitterness as a long-standing resentment, the spirit which refuses to be reconciled. So many of us have this, this, we have this, this, uh, a way of nursing our wrath to keep it warm, <laughs> uh, brooding over the injuries, insults that we have received, maybe. The next two words in the text are wrath and anger. And this is the kind of wrath that describes the way a fire burns up straw. We've burnt straw before. It burns hot and it burns quick and then it's over. And then then there's this word that is translated anger here. And this is a habitual, long-lasting anger. Paul is condemning this anger and telling us to put it away from us. Then there's the word clamor, which is just the raising of voice and heated emotion. It's yelling. And then there's evil speaking. And in the context, it has to do with spreading evil things about other people because of what they've done to us. And then there's this word malice, which is anger iced over so that it becomes hatred. All of these words speak to the idea of hurt becoming a burden on us, something that dominates our lives, really. We become redefined by our pain. I'm no longer this person that I used to be. I'm now the person that this happened to. Somebody did this to me. Um, I become the victim. I begin to think about that thing a lot, and and I begin to tell other people about it. Uh, I begin to think about that that's who I am now. And the goal of all these things here, um, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice, is in some way, I want to get back at you. You hurt me, and, and I might not be able to hurt you in the same way, but I'm going to try. That's what this is telling us. And if that means that I'm going to be cold to you or hold a grudge or talk bad about you or stab you in the back or ruin your opportunities in life, maybe I'm going to do it. And the Bible calls that what? It calls it revenge. Uh, But the Christian response when people hurt us is not to make those things into a burden that we can't bear. Uh, The Christian response is to give place to wrath. We're going to look at Romans 12 here, starting in verse 17. It says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God wants us, God does not want us to avenge ourselves. God wants us to give place to wrath. Uh, let God, let God do the vengeance that needs to be done. God's, God's already got this justice thing. He's already got it. He doesn't need any help. Um, it's not an open job position that God's giving out. He's not taking applications. Vengeance is his. Uh, so when I try to take my vengeance out, I'm infringing on God's territory. And the problem here is that vengeance doesn't solve anything anyway. We know that uh, if we got our way and we got back at whoever it was that hurt us, um, they would just want to get back at us again. Ha- have you ever heard the story of the Hatfields and the McCoys? Family feuds, pretty much. Uh, did, the, did the revenge thing that they kept going back and forth, did that ever solve anything? Even in any kind of family feud, no, it doesn't solve anything. And, and things get they get worse and they and worse and they escalate. They get you know they escalate. And now, now not only do I have what happened before, but now I have this grudge that I have to maintain. And God says to drop it and let that burden go. Leave the wrath to God. It's already His. Verse 21, he says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have to understand that what what other people do, that's on them. But what I do in response, that's on me, right? Don't Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Forgiveness is a feeling of tremendous relief. It's the feeling when you... When you lay down, when you lay a burden down and everything just feels better and brighter, you know, it's learning to say, you did this to me, but I don't have to carry that around. That doesn't have to be the defining thing in my life. Um, have you ever read the story of, of, of Joseph and his brothers and wonder, what is Joseph doing? I, 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 when I read the end of that story, I'm just like, what? Uh, so you remember when, when Joseph's brothers come to him in Egypt? It's the weirdest story because at first he he pretends to be somebody else, right? Remember that? He pretends to be somebody else, and then he's really mean. Uh, he accuses them of being spies. Uh, he steals one of them. He plants something in Benjamin's sack. Um, he ends up getting Simeon in jail. I think Simeon and, and then Judah uh, comes and he vouches for him. It's just this big deal, at the end, he has everybody go out of the room. And he goes in the back of the room and he cries. What is wrong with Joseph? What, we know what's wrong with Joseph. He, he is carrying 20 years of hurt. And you know why Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers, that they, that they cry in that, in that instance? It feels good to let go. It's 20 years of it. When Jacob and Esau, another example, when, when they had their decades-long feud, and they embrace and they forgive each other, and they weep together. When you let burdens go, it feels good. And God, God is telling us that 
these burdens, we can't bear these burdens. Put them down. Don't let, don't let what others have done end the joy that we have in Christ. There is, there's this saying um, that you may have heard that time heals all wounds. Have you heard that? That's a lie. That's not true. Time does not heal all wounds. Some wounds get worse over time. Uh, and think back to the Hatfields and the McCoys. Uh, if you ever read that story or read about a family feud that was violent and, and it got worse and worse, those wounds were not healing over time. They do not get better. Forgiveness is the only thing that heals wounds here. Letting go heals wounds. Time can take the edge off. Time can help us not hurt quite so intensely, but only forgiveness heals. We need to give it up because we can't bear the burden. And let's remember that when we forgive, we can set other people free. Starting in verse 32 here, he says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Forgiveness is, a, is an act of love where you, you have done something to me, and I'm willing to overlook it, to move past it, to, to forgive it, to be done with it, to set you free. When, when Joseph's brothers come before Joseph and, and the trouble starts happening in that story, what's the first thing that they say? Do you remember? They say, this is because of what we did to Joseph. Do you remember that? This is 20 years later. But the first sign of trouble, the first sign of trouble, and what's the first thing out of their mouth? We're guilty. Um, this is because of what we did. Can you imagine the burden that those men carried around? Every time somebody's kids got sick, this is what we did to Joseph. You know, this is, this is what they think. Every time that there's a famine, maybe, it's because of what we did to Joseph. Every heartache, every trouble, every problem for 20 years. This is my fault because of what I did to Joseph. But at the end of their journey, Joseph is able to say, it's okay. I forgive you. Uh, can you imagine the relief that they felt? And Joseph set them free to where they didn't have to live that way anymore. Um, that's how forgiveness is an act of love. I can do something for you and, and you have hurt me. And, and nobody else can do what I can do for you and forgiving you and setting you free from what you've done. Philemon has only one chapter, uh, starting in verse 17. Paul says, so if you, and he's talking to Philemon here, if you consider me, Paul, your partner, receive him, Onesimus is, is the slave, was the slave of Philemon, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So Onesimus is, is a slave, had run away from Philemon, his master. And there is strong implication in the text that he has defrauded Philemon, not just by running away, but, but probably he has stolen from him as well. 
And, and Paul says there is something Philemon can do that Paul can't do for Onesimus. Onesimus has done wrong. And he needs to make it right with Philemon. So he says, Philemon, refresh my heart. Forgive him. Get over it. Be done with it. There is a burden Onesimus is carrying because of what he did. And nobody else can set him free. Nobody else can set him free from it except for Philemon's forgiveness. When, when Saul keeps pursuing David, we think back to that, the, those Old Testament stories, and, and twice David has this opportunity to kill Saul, but he refuses to. And Saul can finally say, David, you're right, I'm going back home. He's free, he's done, it's okay. When Miriam and Aaron complain to God about Moses, and Miriam is struck with leprosy, Moses says to God, please heal her. Moses is offering forgiveness through through this, and, and it allows Miriam and Aaron to move on from that. He, he's not mad anymore, he's on their side, he sets them free. I got this quote from an unknown author on the internet. When you forgive someone, you slice away the wrong from the person who did it. You disengage that person from his hurtful act. You recreate him. In one moment, you identify him as the person who did you wrong, and the next moment, you change that identity. He is remade in your memory. You think of him now not as the person who hurt you, but as a person who needs you. You feel him now not as the person who alienated you, but as the person who belongs to you. Once you branded him as a powerful a person powerful and evil, but now you see him as a person weak in his needs. You recreated your past by recreating the person who's wrong made your past faithful. When people think of you, do you, do you want their first thought to be the worst things that you've done? Do you want to be associated with that all the time? Well, the answer is no, I think. How, so how can we do that to, to others? Can't we set them free from that to remake them so that that's not what defines them anymore? I can glorify God through forgiveness as well. Starting in verse 32, we'll read it again. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We become like God. We become imitators of God when we forgive like God. Imitators of God. When ordinary people like you and me learn to get over and move past what others have done to us, who gets the glory for that? God does. I can glorify God because when forgiveness is offered, when I learn Grace from the God of grace. God is praised. When the people, think about this, when the people in the church of Jerusalem, when they finally accepted Paul into their fold, who Paul just a short while earlier was creating havoc for the Christian world and the church in Jerusalem. But when they accepted him back, who gets the glory for that? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be in that church Surely Stephen, who was stoned, um, might have had a kid, a wife and kids. Um, but he's dead now because he was stoned to death by the unbelieving Jews there. And Saul was holding their coats. What would it be like to walk into the a church building, not with someone who 
may have said something evil to you, but with a man who killed your husband. These are the people who learn to forgive from a forgiving God. Well, and when they forgive, God, when they forgive, God is praised. Forgiveness is an act of faith in God. If there's something that God needs to take care of, God will take care of it. If there are sins that need to be punished, God's going to do the punishing. Um, I don't have to do that for him. I trust that God's going to take care of whatever vengeance needs to be taken care of. I don't want to... I don't want that vengeance and that strict justice to fall on me. I need grace. I need mercy. And I want other people to have it too. And when that happens and God's people emulate God, God is praised. I can glorify God by showing in everyday relationships that I'm not going to let other people and their (laughs) sin or their hurt pull me away from my God. I'm going to become more like him. And now I, I don't know what I would do if I were the parent with the murdered child and that person came to me and said, can you forgive me? Personally, I think I might need a little more time. But I do know this. Every one of us has relationships with people that we love that are damaged. Every one of us has experiences hurt uh, from people we care about. Will we have the courage to rebuild that love and to forgive the way the way that we have been forgiven? And that's not to say that there aren't conversations that need to be had, and it's not to say that there aren't things that need to be done, but we are able to move past bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and, and the hurt to glorify God by showing by showing grace to others. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.